Listen, I know exactly what you're thinking. Why are they dropping an episode of the podcast on a weekend as opposed to a weekday? Well, the reality is, is that it was a short week. All right, we had one U Sports football game on Thursday, and we had five U Sports football games on Friday, and we even got two today. So instead of waiting until Monday or Tuesday to talk about it, why not just talk about it now? The reality is you can consider this a bonus episode because we won't be recording often on Saturdays and we'll be going back to our regular scheduled programming on Mondays and Tuesdays. So just enjoy it for what it is. And with that being said, what's up, everybody? My name is Deshaun Stevens, and I'd like to welcome you to Take It or Leave It, the show where we deliver you sports football news for all 27 different schools. It's Thanksgiving weekend, and it's also the Canada West bye week. So DJ Lalama is literally on a bye week right now. So he's not in studio this week, but I promise you he'll be back soon. All right, I promise you. And I also promise you that when he comes back, we're going to talk about Manitoba's most recent game against Saskatchewan. Because I need to hear about that game where they were leading 22-19 to at halftime, but then somehow blew that lead and let Saskatchewan score 20-plus points. So DJ is going to talk about that when he comes back on next week. Don't worry, it's coming. But like I said, until DJ comes back, let's focus on the now because we just had two amazing days of football. And to be honest, I don't want to waste no more time. Let's get straight into it. The McMaster Marauders took on the Guelph Griffins last night in the battle of the one-win teams. McMaster walked away with the win 41-12, to moving them to 2-4 and and putting the Guelph Griffins at 1-5. and Key takeaways from this game, McMaster running back Daniel Bossett had 144 all-purpose yards and one touchdown. McMaster's defense forced six total turnovers, including five interceptions and one forced fumble. Like I said, this win puts McMaster at 2-4, and four, and their next two games are against Queens and UFT, so they got to win out if they want to have even a shot at making the playoffs. Listen, I think we all know the McMaster Marauders are not a true 2-4 and four team. You look at this team, I don't know if I've ever seen a squad have a more unlucky season than this squad right here. You look at their first three games. They lost two of their first three games by an average margin of six points. And then they had that forfeit loss to York, which put them at 0-3 all before they ran into the Western Mustangs, which ended up being their fourth loss of the season. Now, fortunately for McMaster, they got their win last night. So they're still in the playoff hunt. They're two games below 500, and they need to win their next two games to at least have a shot at making the postseason. Unfortunately for McMaster, their next game is against the Queens Gales, the number four ranked Queens Gales, who have been running rough shot through the OUA over the last couple of weeks. Again, it's just unlucky. All right? I think if you're the McMaster Marauders, you finally find some hope and some life in your quest to return to the playoffs, and then you realize one of the teams you have to go through is the second best team in the OUA. Right, it's just unlucky. I don't know what happened to this program. I don't know who put bad luck on this program. Uh, but the last two years for the McMaster Marauders have been rather interesting. All right, so we'll see how that plays out. We'll see if the McMaster Marauders can make a push to get to the playoffs. As for the Guelph Griffins, I have two points, just two. Keep it short and sweet. I'm gonna say this first point respectfully, okay? Because the second point that I have to make is a little bit of a deeper conversation. So I'm gonna be respectful when I say this first point. So first off, with all due respect, the season is done. Pack it in. Let the young boys get some snaps over the next two weeks against Laurie and Carlton. Give it to the young boys. Let them get that experience because they're going to be the ones that y'all relying on to make a push for the playoffs in future years. Invest in your young players now. The season is done. Number two, I'm hearing that Ryan Sheehan has lost that locker room. 
That's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing there are a lot of players in that locker room who are no longer invested in that coaching staff in any capacity whatsoever. And let me tell you something. This ain't the first time I've heard that. The first time I've heard reports like this coming out of that locker room was actually two years ago during the pandemic when J.P. Simakenda and Alain Simakenda both transferred out of that program to go back home. J.P. went to University of Ottawa and Alain transferred to Carleton University but ultimately got drafted and never played a single snap for them. But they both left that program. That's the first time I heard that Ryan Sheehan had lost his locker room. Now, what ultimately went down with those players, I'm not going to get into it because I've heard many different stories. But that's all I have to say about the Guelph Griffins at this moment in time. Okay, moving on. The UFT Varsity Blues hosted the number one ranked Western Mustangs last night at Varsity Stadium. And Western won this game 56-21. to Wasn't really a surprise. UFT were not favored to win this game at all. But I'm going to say shout out to that UFT offense because the 21 points that they put up were the most points that any team had scored against that Mustangs defense all season long. This loss puts UFT at 3-4 and four with only one game remaining. And I think we all know, listen, you got to go 4-4 four and four if you want to have a chance to make the playoffs. And for UFT, that final game of the season is going to be against a McMaster Marauders program that is just as desperate for a win to make the playoffs. So I think that's going to be an amazing game. As we've seen from Mac, when they show up, they can either put up 40 on you or they can show up sleeping. So I think that last game of the season is going to be really, really entertaining to watch. Probably going to be a must-watch game from my perspective. Now, with regards to the Western Mustangs, I ain't really got much to say because you guys are the number one team in the nation, so you did what you had to do, okay? I can give shout-outs to running back Edward Winati, who had a game-high 213 rushing yards and a game-high four rushing touchdowns. Like I said, that brother's special, and he's proven it this season. I can give shout-outs to that Western Mustangs defensive secondary that had six batted-down passes and two interceptions, but aside from that, as a team, y'all did what you needed to do. I will say this, though. I feel like the Queens Gales and the Western Mustangs are currently in an arms race. And let me explain to you what I think. At this point in the season, we already know that the Western Mustangs are going to finish as the number one team in the OUA. And I think a lot of people believe the Queens Gales will finish as the number two team in the OUA. And as of right now, it seems like the Western Mustangs and the Queens Gales are on a collision course to meet in the Yates Cup. Now, the Ottawa GGs might have something to say about that. Okay? They might have something to say about that. But right now, the top two teams in the OUA are the Western Mustangs and the Queens Gales. And I feel like every time the Western Mustangs and Queens Gales touch the field, they're doing two things. They're running up the score as high as possible, and they're trying to showcase as much of their offensive weapons as they can. Think about it. In the second half of the season, we've literally come to learn that the Queens Gales have three different running backs that can give you over 100 on any given day have three different receivers that can give you over 150 on any given day, and have two different quarterbacks that can throw for 250-plus on any given day. And also in the second half of the season, we've learned that the Western Mustangs have four different running backs that can go for over 100 or more on any given day. Evan Hillock can go for 300 whenever he wants to in passing yards. And they have multiple receivers that can go for 200-plus on any given day. The Western Mustangs and the Queens Gales are engaged in an arms race. We are seeing a cold war between these two programs because they know chances are, come November, they're going to link up again in the Yates Cup. And let me tell you something. If the Queens Gales keep playing like they're playing these days, 
that Yates Cup that we see in November is going to be night and day compared to the Yates Cup that we saw last year when they got blown out and embarrassed on TV. They're going to put up a good fight against the Western Mustangs. Now, I don't know if they're going to win, but they're going to put up a good fight. i love to see it. Okay, let's talk briefly about Windsor versus York. The Windsor Lancers walked away with the win last night, 33-10 over the York Lions. The Lancers' run game was very solid last night. They had a run game by committee. Okay, they had six different players rush the ball for a combined total of 308 rushing yards. Windsor handled their business, but let's switch gears a little bit to the York Lions. All right, here we go. I'm going to focus on the York Lions for a little bit because y'all ain't going to believe this. For the first time ever on this podcast, Take Your Leave a Podcast, I'm about to give the York Lions a true compliment. Yes, a true compliment. I got to shout out this program because for two quarters, the first two quarters, their defensive unit and their special teams unit was solid. Absolutely solid. Solid to the point where they were leading the game 10 to 9 at halftime. Can you believe that? The York Lions were leading 10 to 9 at halftime. Now, of course, we all know that the only score that matters is the final score. And the final score says that the York Lions lost by 23 points. But I still got to give shout outs to that defense because the reality is if that defense was accompanied by a more functionable offense that could move the ball, the York Lions would be a more competitive football team. With regards to the Windsor Lancers, here's the honest truth. They're back at 3-3. Three and three, They're back at 500. they They're back in the race to make the playoffs. But to be honest... If the Windsor Lancers team that showed up yesterday in the first half against York shows up for the remainder of the season, there's no point even talking about playoffs, okay? You got the Western Mustangs next week. And to the whole country, that's most likely going to be a loss for this program. So you're going to fall to three and four. And then to close out the season, you got the Waterloo Warriors, who in my opinion won't be playing for anything. And when you face a team that's not playing for anything, that's when they're the most dangerous. So... Your ceiling this season is either four and four, and your floor right now is three and five. If the team that showed up yesterday in the first half against the York Lions show up for the remainder of the season, y'all gonna go three and five. But if the team that showed up in the second half yesterday against the York Lions shows up for the remainder of the season, y'all will go four and four. So which one is it gonna be? Let's shift gears now to the Battle of Waterloo. This game went down on Thursday. UW versus Laurier, and Laurier won this one 43-23. Listen to this stat line, okay? Here we go. Quarterback Taylor Elgrisma had 313 passing yards and two touchdowns. Running back Quentin Scott had 184 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Receiver Ethan Jordan had 157 receiving yards and one touchdown. Receiver Raiden Thorne had 115 receiving yards and one touchdown. And Shamari Hutchinson had two interceptions. The win puts the Golden Hawks at 4-2 and two and gives them sole possession of fourth place in the OUA and actually puts them in good standing to fight for a home playoff game. I'll say this about the 2022 Laurier Golden Hawks. I truly believe they are a much better football team than they were last year. Laurier's offense this year comes across as just way more polished than it was last year. You could tell last year the Golden Hawks offense was in an awkward transitional phase where they were leaning on some of the players of the past but still trying to usher in some of the young stars that they would turn to in the future. And now, those young stars are beginning to flourish. Listen, I'm looking specifically at quarterback Taylor Elgersma, who through six games has thrown for a total of 1,380 passing yards and 11 touchdowns, and is averaging 230 passing yards per game. That is phenomenal. And even looking at running back Quentin Scott, let's take this in. 
Through six games, the brother is leading the nation in rushing yards right now with 750 total rushing yards. He has six total rushing touchdowns, and he's averaging 125 rushing yards per game. In a season where there is no clear-cut standout star in the OUA, this brother is going to find himself in OUA MVP conversations if he keeps playing like this. And even if we take a closer look at Ethan Jordan, this young man has 42 total receptions. That's second in the nation. This young man has 522 total receiving yards. That's third in the nation. He has four total receiving touchdowns. That's fifth in the nation. And he is averaging 87 receiving yards per game. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you know Lori is always going to be solid. Right now, they're led by studs such as Ife Onyemenem, Shamari Hutchinson, Patrick Burke Jr., and even Luke Burbacker. So they're good to go on defense. Now, if I were to give a true synopsis on this team, do I think they could challenge for a Yates Cup this year? Probably not. I think this year's Yates Cup is a race between Western, Queens, and Ottawa. But I think this team could challenge for a Yates Cup as early as next year if they wanted to, just given how serious some of these players are in their second year of eligibility. I think this year it's about securing that winning record, getting that home playoff game, getting more playoff experience, and then next year is making that push for the Yates Cup, appearing in the Yates Cup, and I think the year after that is a push to win the Yates Cup. But at the end of the day, if I'm a Laurier Golden Hawks fan, I'm extremely happy with what I'm seeing from this team right now because it seems like this program is set up to have another period of success beginning as early as next year. Jumping over to the RSCQ to close out the show, we had a quote-unquote top 10 matchup yesterday between the number 5 ranked Laval Rouge Or and the number 10 ranked Sherbrooke Velt Or. Laval won this game via a score of 37-10, to 10, and I don't think anyone was surprised by this outcome at all. Uh, this year, we wanted to see a sleeper team in the RSCQ. We thought it would be Concordia over the first couple of weeks, and then over the last few weeks, we thought it would be Sherbrooke. But the reality is, the idea of a sleeper team in the RSCQ in 2022 does not exist. One and two, respectively, belong to Montreal and Laval, and then it's the rest. Okay, but shout out to Sherbrooke. They've had a great season. Shout out to them for even being ranked in the top 10. Um, hopefully they can finish their season on a high note with the win over McGill. Um, but yeah, they, they, I wouldn't be hoping to see Sherbrooke make a run at possibly upsetting Montreal or Laval uh, to close out the season or in the playoffs. Number one and two belongs to Montreal and Laval. To close out today's show, I want to actually address a question that we haven't addressed at all at any point this season, and I think it's worth addressing now because the regular season is almost done. So here we go. The question is, who's going to win OUA MVP? First off, I want to say that it's an extremely difficult question to answer because I feel like for the first time in a long time, there's no clear-cut star in the OUA. There's no quarterback or receiver or running back that you can look to and be like, hey, that's the MVP. There's no Trey Ford or Curly Gittins Jr. or Dylan Campbell. There's not that one person that's solely dominating the game ahead of everybody else. But I will say this. I think the MVP in the OUA this year has to be a running back. There aren't any quarterbacks who stand out as among the best in the country. And there aren't any generational receivers like a Curly Gittins Jr. who can come by and steal the award. But if you look from a ball-carrying standpoint, the top seven rushers in the country are all in the OUA. So point number one, the OUA MVP in 2022 has to be a running back. Now, in terms of who could win the award, I've gathered my list down to four finalists, all of whom you could have a legitimate case for. So the first person on my list is Mustangs running back Keon Edwards, who has 733 rushing yards and seven total rushing touchdowns. The case for Keon Edwards is that he's second in the nation in total rushing yards and second in the nation in total rushing touchdowns, and he's also spearheading the number one rushing attack in the country on the number one ranked team in the country. 
At number two on my list, I have Queens running back Anthony Souls, who currently has 653 rushing yards and 10 total rushing touchdowns. The case for Souls is that he's most likely going to finish leading the country in rushing touchdowns this year, and he's also doing it on the second-ranked rushing attack in the country on the second most productive offense in the nation on the number four-ranked team in the nation. At number three, I have Ottawa GG's running back J.P. Simonkenda, who currently has 698 total rushing yards and four total rushing touchdowns. The case for Simonkenda is that he's literally carrying a Yates Cup contender right now on offense. Uh, he's carried the ball 122 times, which is the most of any running back in the nation. And without him, I don't know where the Ottawa GGs are offensively. So he's literally carrying a Yates Cup contender right now from an offensive perspective. And then last on this list, I got to look at Laurier running back Quentin Scott, who I mentioned earlier in this show, who currently has 750 rushing yards. That is the most of any running back in the nation and has six total rushing touchdowns, which is third in the nation. His case for being OUA MVP will solely come down to stats. If he finishes as the nation's leading rusher and is at least tied for most rushing touchdowns or is second for most rushing touchdowns on a team that makes the playoffs, it's hard to look at him and say that he isn't deserving of the award. Now, thankfully for me, I don't have to be the one that makes the decision for who wins OUA MVP, but I will say this. When it comes to OUA All-Star selections, one, it's going to be tough to determine who wins first and second team OUA All-Star at the running back position. But two... Whoever wins second team OUA All-Star, you can assume that was the runner-up for OUA MVP. Which would make sense because the first team OUA All-Star at the running back position would most likely be the MVP. But to answer this person's question, my final four comes down to Anthony Souls from Queens, J.P. Simikenda from Ottawa, Keon Edwards from Western, and Quentin Scott from Laurier. And honestly, if I'm going to be real, if we're looking solely at just stats, then you got to give Western Mustangs running back Edward Winati some love as well. Because from a statistical standpoint, he is fourth in the nation in rushing yards behind Keon Edwards, J.P. Simikenda, and Quinn Scott. And he's actually ahead of Anthony Souls in total rushing yards. And he's tied for second most rushing touchdowns in the nation along with Keon Edwards. So you see where it gets confusing, right? Like from a statistical standpoint, even Edward Winati could be in the conversation if you wanted to put him in there. But again... Not my job. I ain't going to be the one that has to choose who wins that award. Uh, but shout outs to all those players for real. And then also shout outs to Windsor Lancers running back Joey Zorn, who's another running back from the OUA that's balling, who's probably going to take home OUA Rookie of the Year. So shout outs to Joey Zorn as well. And that's a wrap. Listen, I'm going to always say if you made it this far, I mean, it's not that long. It's only 18 minutes. But still, big ups to you, all right? <laughs> For all things you sports related, make sure you're following us on Instagram at Persevere underscore, on Twitter at Persevere underscore, and even on TikTok at Persevere. This podcast is available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Deshaun Stevens signing off for another week. Peace and blessings always.